from the mouth of Lucifer. Okay. Well, yeah, real intense. A real intense beginning. It's another beautiful morning here in 
uh, in the um, in the wilderness outside Santa, in Santa Fe County, New Mexico. Um, the uh, we've had such epic weather, and I just feel a little bit guilty because there's been so many days where there've been so many years where we just lamented the drought, you know, where we just like complained about the chemtrails and you know and all this stuff. And it seemed like we had the way it was. Uh, it was surrounding us. There was um, high heat and water, you know, problems with the Colorado River and, you know, just, uh, you know, up in Colorado and, and uh, of course, California. And we had this, like, epic summer that was just like the storms would come and the clouds were all puffy and then the storms would come again and then they'd come again. They just, every day, and even, even after the monsoons, they just kept coming. Like we get a piece of the hurricane rain and, and then it would just make everything so clear. And then of course the skies, the last, not every day, but I'd say most of the days, there is no chemtrails. I mean, just like yesterday was just like this perfect day. And so I've tried to really give myself time to when I can sit and just look at nature, you know, and really just dig on it and and uh, you know i pr- planted a tree we planted a tree this year here ben's here is riding shotgun with me and he uh this is not his usual space usually he's under my feet so now he's he's in a little bit of a different position here and <clears throat> he wants to he wants uh, ah wow he's strong and that's the thing he's he's didn't realize he was going to grow up to be such a big dog Go on, Ben. Trish. I know. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and there he goes. He probably wants to go out there. Yeah. On, he wants to go see his buddy Eli. Eli's been a good sport putting up with Ben's. And his teething. Oh, gosh. When dogs teeth, don't you feel sorry for them? I, you know, I, 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 I know. But, uh, same time, we can't have them chewing up, you know, shoes and bedding and towels and, you know, clothing. <laughs> you know, he'll take a chew toy right next to, <clears throat> like, a, a shoe that's on the floor and act like he's going after the chew toy, then slowly move it toward the shoe. Have you seen this? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, but it's not cool if you need that shoe, Right. And I'm, I'm sure there's some towels and shoes we don't need we could give him, but he's he's been a good boy. A strong dog. He's strong enough to knock you over right now. All right, so you can hear Trish in the background dealing with it. Anyway, we, you know, so I'm setting, you know, some time for nature, especially, um, you know, just really trying to get um, in alignment with God, you know, and, and looking at everything and just everything that the Lord had told me <clears throat> about the, the period we're in and um, where things are headed, I wasn't really believed. Um, you know, because most people had a much more pessimistic attitude. I mean, I know they're there with a gun against our head. I understand that. I know that we've lost millions of people because of the American government in particular, and that, that would extend out to the WHO and the CDC, Klaus Schwab, the WEF has killed, you know, has killed, mass murdered millions and millions of people already. 
<clears throat> and um, but the good thing about that is that you all, everybody has been able to see because uh, a lot of people thought it was a myth that there was a secret government that that called the shots everywhere. That uh, you know that that there was a, another reality that there was a that there was, for example. A um, government, uh, the world run by pedophiles who have a secret cult that sacrifice children, let's say. Or they're really a, a, a cult of cannibals that sacrifice and eat people. And they make all the decisions for all the governments of the world. Well, what you did see this year is you saw the hand that murders, and now you've got, well, it's going to rise. But you also see, well, there's... <clears throat> I don't think people still have an appetite for... I think people are still playing the game of, you know, well, they haven't gotten me yet, so I'm just going to mind my P's and Q's and I'll be okay. Um, they're going to take your children and your grandchildren if they haven't already. I mean, that's their... their and if you object, you're, you know, they'll ruin your life or call you a domestic terrorist or whatever. And so that's what people are facing. They don't realize, you know, the fact that they've been captured... They've been surrounded. Um, you know, there's, there's, it's going to go the way it's going to go. And, and, you know, and now we hear that they have plans of, you know, nuking us and, you know, putting us in a big war against, you know, either Russia or China or both or trying to get something like that going or launching more, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I need some uh, water. Launching, you know, all kinds of, um, you know, viruses and more stuff. And I think people, you know, the, the good news about where we are is just where I feel it's at is people have had enough. Um, I, there's been a total lot, lot, loss of respect for, for a lot of cowardly humans, though. And it's sad, you know, um, for example, we turn on the news media, we, we, we don't respect these people, either whether it's CNN or Fox or any of them. It's sad that they're such pathetic humans. It's sad that they are <clears throat> unworthy of respect, even in public places. Then it's also sad that they're the very ones that shut down people that have the balls to put up free speech and sideline us all, make access to, um, you know, to, to, to any kind of, you know, to music, filmmaking, distribution of, of ideas, that they put a halt to them all. That is the secret government. They make the phone call. And uh, they don't go through a legislature or anything else. They tell the president, listen, you got to do this, and he does it. Or he tells Obama that tells the president, or whatever, however it works. And these Obamas and all these people that you do see are just sort of functionaries for the, you know, the, the super elite. And then, and then some say that this super elite is really just demonic beings. You know, Book of Enoch. Um, and we got trapped. But truth be told, we have always been trapped. We were never free here. <clears throat> Libertine people are not free. They become, they're programmed, usually through trauma-based uh, mind control 
you know, to be um, sex objects or whatever they are. There's there's mass mind control going on in schools right now to sexualize the children, and they will be seen as these sex acts that anyone who objects to any sex act, like let's say, or children involved in sex acts or pornography, anyone that objects would be considered a bigot or a racist, would be deplatformed, would be silenced from everything, you know, would be imprisoned, you know, in a, in a kind of cyber ghetto where nobody can hear you, where you don't get followers, where you put up stuff, you repeat, you tell the truth, but nobody cares. And um, they're very powerful. They're very, very powerful. And they, they, they um, I know this just from, I know Inside Baseball, so I know they worship Lucifer, the very top. And Lucifer and the pantheon of demons, fallen angels, whatever, along with Lucifer at the head. And the, they have the whole plan of elevating themselves above the Most High God, like it says in uh, the book of Job. You know, the Bible is so wise on all this stuff. It has all the secrets and all the wisdom anyone would ever need to be able to at least remain free within yourselves, which which really, when, when Paul um, compared the life on earth to a race that we run, I think that's really the most accurate thing, uh, accurate description of our situation. We're running a race, and um, we're being tested, you know, with violence, with imprisonment, with, um, you know, false witness. And, of course, at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told us all these things would happen, but to do good to your enemies. To, uh, as Paul was also saying, return evil, good for evil. Because, you see, these are the works, the fruit of Christ. That in the midst of this, you're, you're able to love to give to sacrifice yourself for 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 others to to um you know to actually you know live for and in Christ and to be that that person that when everybody is going this way and that way and they're all you know that that um that you're there with your concerns for um others that may even be doing evil to you and in so doing, and in so acting, and in so being, and in so being um, um, guided along those lines, you become Christ. You know, you become Christ, well, not just Christ-likeness, you become Christ. There's no, you know, there is really, at the end, no separation. The other way is eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. A lot of people think, well, there's, Two different Yahwehs in the Bible because you have, you know, the Yahweh, the, the Yahuwah that's, um, you know, uh, that's uh, wanting to sacrifice children, makes, you know, Abraham go after Isaac and all that. And then you have got the other one that's saying, no, take it another step. When they do evil to you, you return good to them. I know. And that it has to be coming from a place not cowardice. That you, you know, there's a lot of people that when there's a guy with a gun, they, they, I just saw a clip the other day 
And this is sad. I didn't see that. I, I turn off. I don't watch people getting murdered. That doesn't work for me, folks. You know? Um, but the guy had a gun, was robbing, you know, the liquor store. Typical. You've seen it a million times. And the, the guy behind the counter got out, was cooperative, asked him what he needed. And he got away from the gunman and, and just sat on the floor away from him, away from the uh, cash register. And, uh, and the guy asked him some questions about where anything else was. And he answered the question. And he goes, okay, thank you very much, and shot him in the head. See, that kind of... Um, I think we misunderstand the lesson here. Um, you know, was that done? No, no, there's a critical point. Was it done out of fear? Or was it done out of Christ? Christ is not about fear. Fear of man does not enter in. In fact, it's the opposite. No fear of man. No fear of their tanks and their guns and their weapons of mass destruction. No fear of it, any of it. Now, had he stood his ground like behind the thing or just uh, if you wanted to give him, you know, things out of that love of Christ, um, then he would have been prepared to die. Because when someone breaks into a, a liquor store or a store or something like that, you know, there's uh, there's the idea that there's a witness, you know, and can't let them live. But And there's also a tradition of just blowing people away. Just blowing people away, it's fun, you know, and that's why the, um, you know, I would just say what I've observed is that um, the people that are working closest with the globalists are creating, you know, you know, anarchy and, um, you know, crime waves across the world to make the people cower and to, to, be, to eventually be able to take power over them and enslave them. And that's what's going on there. When people become enslaved, are they doing it out of Christ? Or are they doing it out of fear? No, it's, it's not any, you know, you can be thrown in prison. You can be... Uh, Taken to a camp, you could be called persona non grata. You could become deplatformed, de this, de that, depersoned. Really, is what it is. Depersoning to 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 create you, you know, as a non person. And how you react to that, either through fear or through the love of God and the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit will determine how you did in that test. Now, I don't blame people for being scared and doing this COVID thing. I think enough of them have died now that they're starting to get the message. I hope. They're starting to understand that, you know, they don't matter, for one thing. And um, when I say they don't matter, I mean they don't matter to the world, to the world system. In other words, they're expendable. And I think they see that, and they see the mass genocide, and they understand, even if they don't have any book learning about the Fourth Reich, the occult, Nazism occult, and then the secret societies behind 
Germanic, not Germanic aluminum. No, scratch that. Not Adam Weishaupt. Scratch that. I'm talking about things that have been around a lot longer than Adam Weishaupt, okay? I'm talking about the real club. You know, and you're not in it. And and I think there, even a lot of these elites, like <laughs> even at Martha's Vineyard, they feel they're being coddled because they're they're being coddled because they're functionaries. Most of the people that live there, they got, you know, what, a couple hundred million dollars in the bank probably, a few a few homes, you know, they're taken care of, right? But that's not really the club. You know, may, maybe for some. You know, because sometimes people go for power rather than money. But, I mean, they're all... And the first thing they do when, you know, there's 50 people brought there by... <laughs> was it a bus, a plane? I don't know, what it, whatever it was. The first thing they do is panic. And they go crazy. This is this is Beverly Hills. This is uh, Bel Air. This is, you know, the Hamptons. This is uh, Martha's Vineyard. This is... This is uh, I, 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 I've seen this so many times. I've always hated these people because they're such hypocrites. And, and I, I don't want to hate anyone, but I, in the past I have. I've, I hate the idea that, I mean, they, they, they're, they're up there pontificating about privilege and about, you know, money. And what about these poor people? And what are we going to do about them? And all this stuff in, in their sort of public, you know, professional life. And then, you know, you see them getting out of the limo at... Uh, well, for me, when I was a kid, it was getting out of the limo at Chasen's, right? And getting the, the front table so that all your stupid friends who hate your guts anyway can see you're sitting at that front table so you're like a VIP. And all this hypocrisy, it just and, and it goes on and on and on. <clears throat> and um, the lives of privilege, they, they do not interact with anybody that they will interact with would be vetted by their society. And so, and, you know, there's always been people of various races and colors involved in, uh, you know, in running the world. But they're not the real power. They're the people that get the phone calls, right? Lockdown New York. Okay, you got it, you know. know, Throw California into uh, an emergency. I know you have plenty of power, but go ahead and do it, Gavin. If you want to be president... You better start playing ball. Yes, sir. So, you know, that's basically it. You know, Australia, lock them down over there and keep them locked down. Yes, sir. And then that comes out of, you know, uh, people that, you know, you don't see. And um, in alignment with uh, Klaus Schwab then announcing that he is the ruler of the world, that you are now ruled by him. He is the clown in, in, in chief. And so when he says lock it down, he means it. But then they had a big setback, didn't they? The hydroxychloroquine, the lack of it, killed hundreds of thousands in the United States. When Joe Biden, the ultimate slave functionary, toe sucker, bow down, do anything, anything for society. We're talking about society here. He said, I want to kill them all. I'd like to kill every American, including every Democrat, because I'm Joe Biden, and that's what I really believe deep down. You think I like these people in this, or even the Democrats or Republicans or any human? We should return the United States to the people that own the world so they can come here and vacation 
and enjoy themselves without, you know, populations in flyover country. That's their country. Not these undisciplined, lazy fools, uneducated idiots living in the mountains. That's my land. And if they don't move when they get the eviction notice, what do you think happens? Um, some weird storm, uh, some kind of uh, bioweapon, something happens and they just suddenly are gone. And that's the way they work. If there's a problem, the reason they released COVID when they did and they upped their schedule, which made them blow it, is because of Donald J. Trump. That's why they did it. They had to get rid of him. That was the whole reason for it. Then you say, well, what about this countermeasure of Trump's going for the vaccines? Well, he thought that he would win, win their... He's been trying to win their respect all this time. And you don't win the respect of, you know, the ungodly. These are the wicked. And they've done so many crimes collectively that, you know, just putting them to death would not be enough of a punishment in terms of legal. If they ever got adjudicated, you know, by a Nuremberg type of thing, many of them would be executed uh, for mass murdering of humans, including hospital workers, teachers, teachers that are um, in secret sexual relationships with uh, the children, which I know very well what that's all about. They're just grooming the children to be accessible to the adults, but not for the purpose you think, for the purpose of snuff films. Oh, yeah. That's what they really get off on. So pedophilia is kind of a misnomer. It's really to make them compliant with their own, you know, especially when we're talking about kids that, are, that have no parents, kids that are trafficked across the border. Um, why do you think they never, the, 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 they took the children off the milk boxes? Because they never went home and they were almost never found. But where did they go? They got dead. Is where they went. They were killed by perverts that get off on killing because killing is more powerful than sex. So that's what it, you know, and that, that would startle one of my colleagues I know that he, he doesn't believe that there's this conspiracy or secret shadow government. He says, these are ideas that, and when people talk about these conspiracies, they ruin people's lives. Good people having their lives ruined by rumors about being part of the secret Illuminati pedophile sex cannibal cult. And these, you know, and so that, that approach is actually the approach of the U.S. government and the approach of all the governments of the world and all the media. That's not exactly a rebellious uh, reaction to it, is it? A rebellious reaction would be okay, we see you there, especially after COVID. We know who you are. We know you're in every country. We understand the coordination. We understand the goal. Okay? We understand that you would like us to lay down our lives. You would like to take our children from us and then and exterminate us so you can have your vaunted world order. We, we see that now clearly. 
But many of us are going to go back into denial, and we want more trauma-based mind control, more 9-11s, more terrorism, more, more of everything, so that you know, we can then you know, return to our uh, cortisol levels uh, that we just had, which we're addicted to because you know, we need fear and loathing and, and all that to justify mass drinking and mass drug taking which we're on the way to do. So you see, you've got that time clock ticking down, tick, 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 about people um, immolating themselves with, uh, um, you know, as programmed, you know, as trauma-based programming goes across the world. You know, just like as gang stalking goes across the world, it's funny, I made the prediction that gang stalking would go mainstream in this next phase, and it did now you when people get deplatformed or you know treated the way in court or you know gaslit or um uh, psychotronic weapons whatever it is um it's now on a mainstream full tilt everybody's involved deal the whole police department the entire military all the uh politicians you know i knew that would happen because i knew that a lot of the gang stalking was it was really controlled demonology because a lot of the things that happened, kind of like, like we look at the Mandela effect for a second, a lot of these things that happened um, could not happen in a world that we've been taught uh, exists. A lot of the coordination, I explain it actually in the, in the documentary I'm in. We're, we're coming along with that. We have our <clears throat> final cut, I guess, and I don't know, I have mixed feelings about just because it's me sitting, you know, talking, and it's, you know, at times, and that gets, uh, I don't look, I just look like a mess. <laughs> I guess that helps in a way, right? But it's it's been hard uh, having to, you know, being one of the few people that sees what's going on, and then you say anything, to, nobody gets your back. You know, for all those years, and then they 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 you know throw you into loony bins and shrinks and drugs and you know and you you, you look back and you, well where was my life you you didn't have a life well what did you do wrong I said something about what they do and then from that point forward I was targeted and how old was that five <laughs> I said something about it because. Um, or six, and then they would, you know, get get at me again, and then I, you know, rebel against that, and it's, I, I can never be, I guess, trusted to be abused and then keep the secret. Which they told me when they threw me against the uh, these rocks and they broke my head open. Um, I was really a little out, outside a uh, a ritual. And the the warning was basically very clear. It was, you know, uh, you know, you you uh, you you resist at your own peril or whatever it was. But I did see kids all get into a hive mind, like five, six of them, all become hive mind, and uh, you know, like working as a team to uh, throw me into the rocks and. The reason was is because I was being uncooperative during abuse. You know, I was, you know, uh, 
had the um, natural instinct to fight back. And so then they, they were, you know. See, a lot of these kids, what happens is, you know, when they're, when they're not able to go along, some kids can't go along because they're just normal kids, right? So they, so they need to be conditioned and talked into it, moved slowly into it. And, um, but when there are those that don't quite get along, they, they get seen early on at a very young age and eliminated from society. So that you don't hear about their suicide or anything else. They just was like the, oh, the, you know, the five-year-old that died or the six-year-old that, you know, they, oh, they got leukemia and they, they didn't make it. You know what I mean? So that's kind of the way it's taken care of where the doctor, the family doctor, will administer the, uh, you know, just like today with the COVID, you know, the kill shot, right? And um, so the dirty work of society has been to keep all these the truth from coming out. And that's been, but for, for a guy to become like a, a big businessman, a big, big, big man, a big, yeah, a big honcho. Well, you know, when he gets there and he's ascending, then he eventually realizes he's, you know, it's all organized crime and then has to make that you know decision. And I don't know if, I think it's true of the media too. When you're going to make, a certain amount of money, you know it's organized crime. You know that they would never let the, like the Murdochs continue unless they play ball, right? And when I say play ball, I don't mean, you know, going along with the law. You got enough people doing that. You know what I mean? It sort of works behind the scenes organically. It's all accepted that it's a criminal world. The criminals hold sway. The criminals are the leaders, and the politicians are there and the media is there to put a clean face on it so people don't flip out seeing what's really what it's really all about. And um, they recruit those that they feel have the talent to influence the masses toward the ultimate goal, which is mass acceptance of their Luciferian kingdom, which they want to bring overtly to the earth and have Satan reign, just like, you know, we have Jesus reigning a thousand years. Well, they have Satan reigning a thousand years. And they're in touch with all these beings and technology and Antarctica and, you know, outer space or whatever it is out there. Um, they're dealing with all that, trying to get around God. And... You know, the problem is when you're a kid that's abused, I know there's probably quite a few out there who will eventually, you know, see this. Uh, the documentary is just about how I came to write uh, this screenplay that got produced into a cult uh, movie that has been upgraded, actually, over the last couple of decades. And how I didn't really know what I was writing about when I was writing it. You know what I mean? How trauma-based mind control and everything can actually, but part of my healing was to acknowledge, was to write it, you know, and to get back in touch with, uh, uh, you know, the way people act in Beverly Hills. Because, you know, because you can leave and you can change your name and you can, <laughs> you know, have this life separate from all that, but we'll see what what happens is you just see a little bit of that shallowness on TV or you see it in Game of Thrones or you see some of this, uh, 
some of the stuff that I, I don't know why I hate it so much. I, I don't know. I'm just, you know, they, they don't understand, you know, isn't it okay if it's, 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 if it's reprehensible. And it wasn't that it was like the acts were reprehensible because we're all sinners and we all do things that are reprehensible in our sins. And people lust and, you know, especially when you're younger, you know, and then you, you know, you've got, uh, uh, you know, all the other sins of, you know, gluttony and you know, drunkenness and drugs, which I've been, you know, kind of guilty of self-medicating, but that's just been because um, I couldn't, it was either that or suicide, so, you know. But really, when something would remind me of them, I don't know where I got such a deep-seated hatred toward, I guess... I'd just try to be as honest as I can. I guess when they targeted me like around the high school age and, you know, with peers actually wanting to take you out, you know, and you know, dousing my a little truck I had with gas and trying to light, light it while I was in it and, you know, just how they could murder, you know, peers without, you know, or, or do any mean thing and then have this attitude like... um we're the winners, you know, the, the, the kids in the club who, you know, were initiated in, um, and I don't even want to go into what the initiation is. It's just, it's, it's horrible. And they agree to be in it, but they're already damaged and ruined. They dare not say anything, you know, and then their kids come up and then they have to damage them into the system. So you literally have to damage your son, damage your daughter. By that, I mean abuse. And um, it's, um, and then after that, though, the kids that accept it, which is most of them, most of them love it. And that's what I think you're missing. That's another piece of the puzzle I believe you're missing. You don't realize how dedicated a lot of these people are, but you see, it's the externalization of shame and guilt that is their bond. Does that make sense? So that they see themselves as the good guys. And they are the majority on the earth. I think you realize that by now, right? Everything, everywhere, all the time. Remember, we used to talk like that. And Remember how ridiculed I got? I'd say it's everything, everywhere, all the time. Oh, come on. You know, it can't be that bad. I had one guy tell me, he said, you know, Zeph, if it's the way you say, I'm going to kill myself. And I'm saying, I, you're just fooling yourself saying you're with Jesus when you're on the other side. God can see that. But if you weren't on the other side, I guess they wouldn't leave you alone, huh? You might become a laughing stock. Jesus was a laughing stock, you know. He's my leader. He was a laughing stock. They mock him and laugh at him and humiliate him and rip his clothes off and bear him down. Let's face it, he was naked up on that cross. You know, for all to see. They 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 ridiculed him as king of the Jews. You know, they 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 beat him and gave him, you know, more and more and more. So and what they're doing there with Jesus is they're 
trying to externalize their own guilt and shame, see? Let, let me explain the classic psychopathic abuser. Yeah. Ouch, that hurt. Oh, oh, God. Oh, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. Look what you made me do. No, oh, it hurt. It hurt. You know, you know, you know and, and, and look what you're making me do. And then slap. Oh, oh, that really hurt. It's up to you if you want it to stop. It's your choice. Oh, that really hurt. Let me get a knife here. Oh, I'm going to die. I'm stabbed now. Oh, look, I wish you wouldn't make me do things like that. I'm trying to live a peaceful life here. You know, why did you, you know, uh, oh, I'm dead now. Well, Your Honor, um, you know, she uh, basically stabbed herself, and uh, let's say she or he, doesn't matter, they stabbed themselves and hurt themselves, and I, I tried to stop them. Yes, well, you're, you're, you're free to go. We see now these were self-inflicted wounds. Yes, Your Honor. And we know the real truth, but we're going to go with that. Yes, Your Honor. Case closed. Case dismissed. You did not murder anyone. Uh, <laughs> Look what you made me do. I was coming here in peace. And now I've slaughtered the entire village of Afghan children. Wow. Well, why did you do that? I didn't do anything. They were launching IEDs. They were killing my friends, and they, they caused it. We told them not to, but they did it anyway. It's not my guilt. So that's what you're dealing with as your power structure. They believe that every decision they make, and they even believe to this day that, that you know we're still wrong on COVID, that this is a right-wing conspiracy and that they're completely exonerated and, you know, out of the woods and they're completely normal. They're completely, um, uh, they're the good force in society. And everyone that joins or is invited to join society, you know, the club, there's different clubs too, you know, there's different levels. But everyone that's invited in basically has to take that same oath. Was not just an oath. You have to become a psychopath, i.e., you 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 have to split. Your mind has to not feel guilt, or they will you know reject you or kill you, because they can't have that risk. The guilt is for the people. The guilt and the shame is for the the good people out there that believe in God and are trying to do the right thing. They will take the guilt. We are above the law because we are a better person than they are. And furthermore, they deserve what they get. And they know when they start speaking up and they start saying they're talking truth and all that, they know that punishment is coming. They must be masochists. And that's the way it's been from the beginning of time. I mean, it's, um, you know, in the modern era, you know, the, the emperor's beautiful new clothes has been a phenomenon from the beginning. The people that say, oh, emperor, we love your clothes, these are cowards. 
these are ab these are the failures that God is you know vetting and you know and over here are the ones that say um you know the emperor um has no clothes these are the heroes to to God God does not get and this is what America needs to understand since it's so far down the, the rabbit hole of deceit and evil. America should learn. Even if America is gone, fine. But it should learn that there is a difference between cowardice and acceptability. A difference between guilt and shame and who you know and justice and where those things belong, and operating out of fear. America needs to learn, again, what heroism is. Needs to learn what self-sacrifice is. Needs to learn, right, that those who cower will be the most hurt of all. Because this is really a simulation, you see. You know, I never said that it wasn't God's simulation. I always said it was God's simulation. This is God's simulation. You say, what's God doing? Look at it as a simulation that God is running to find out who's with him and who's against him. Because he's running it perfectly. He's vetting out the tares and he's supporting the wheat is what we've seen. He is close to his people. He is, the people of God are a people. And so the advice that I have on for all of us, especially myself, is to go full, full tilt into God. Because see, the people you work with, the people that know you out there, the people that, you know, let's say people who work in the film industry that I know, like cameramen and makeup people and actors and actresses, and, you know, most of them are, you know, call themselves liberals and are their main cause is like, say, abortion or something, you know, because they've been taught that. But they know. They know they're fighting a losing battle somewhere in their soul. They know they need God and they don't know what to do about it because they don't want to be rejected by their peers. And we can all understand that. But that when you come into Christ, and when you get that spiritual power of knowing the truth about everything, we know the truth about everything there is. Oh, we might have a detail here or there wrong, but I mean the basic truth about the point of this. What's the point of this? We know it exactly to the T. But why do we know it? Not because of us, but because of Christ that dwells within us. Because that is what truth is. And that's how we know the wolf from the sheep. And that's how we know how the world really works. We don't need to experience it and be tough guys. All we need is Christ, and then it is every single one of us is taught the truth. And once you know the truth, you are set free because you realize that you are not only um, knowing of the truth, but you have been made whole by Jesus and the shed blood at the cross. And that is what 
paid for you and bought your contract out. Otherwise, you'd still be owned by Satan, like everybody else is. So the people out there need to know. They need to know. And God needs to use us to teach them, but not in a direct, I teach you out of this book, sit and listen to me, or anything like that. No, we kind of teach by our lives, our vibe, just because they see us. And they they start, well, what is that you got going on there? You know, and they... And they have to come to it themselves. God God chooses, you know. Well, you know. Oh no. Don't don't hurt the leather. No, no. Hey. He he's got his chew bone, he's doing the same thing. He's trying to that thing is sharp. Anyway. So that's about the you know, uh so therefore what does God expect us to do? And it's like, you know, you, we live our lives and we must, uh, if we're for real and it's for real, we will show the fruits of the Spirit to the, to the heathen, to the, to, the, to the masses. They will see here and there, even in little things, how we are or how we are with, say, a litigation thing comes up or a, you know, people get mad, they want to do it a worldly way, they want to get in a boxing match or something, they... They watch you return good for evil, and then you end up getting further ahead, right? They see that, that those principles really work, even though they're not intuitive to a human. We become changed. But most of us in America are like half and half. We're there, you know, but we're missing out on on a, a lot of it, and that's because... Uh, Partially because of fear, partially because of isolation. Isolation is one of the big killers of the, and they know this. When they lock us down, we are not, we are cut off from others. And we very much have to be seen by the others. Now, tell that to me. A guy with tremendous paranoia and, and social phobias, um, and, you know, and, and depression and self-hatred. How in the world I can barely go into, say, a, a, a supermarket without having a panic attack. And no, I'm, I'm, you know, I have to, you know, maybe I'll never get over it, but, you know, I still have to uh, make that effort, right? And it may not be for me. It might be that someone sees me. Oh, they don't just see me. They see the, the spirit. They, you know, usually people see me, they're like, well, I don't want to be like you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be like you. You look like you're a mess, and you're seeing the. Well, I don't know how long the doc will take, but um, they have to get clearances for footage and pictures, and you know all kinds of stuff that's used in it. And the, I just pray that that you know we can you know get that done. I I uh, I know we have. We can show it. At, um, we've been invited to a, a, a big festival in Italy. We can show it there because there's no commercial, you know what I mean? But before it's sold or put on to, you know, Netflix or Discovery or any of these places, it has to be, uh, 
you know, cleared legally. And, you know, that's, uh, since it is about the topic of the movie Society, those clips, you know, they, they, you know, they've, that was a SAG movie, so that has, you know, I'm not going to say much more about it, but it's like a big conundrum that we have to face, and we just pray, pray, please pray for us so we get it done. I think the film will probably help people, you know, and I hope it does. What do you think? Yeah. You're not, you know, it. it I, I was, you know, pretty beaten down when we did it, so I, I didn't have much in the way of filter. You know what I mean? It's. it's I didn't have... I, I've got inside baseball things, too, that we can talk about after it comes out about... You know, there was another time, second time where I had to be gone from Hollywood so from about 1992 to then when I really returned with Girl Next and I returned with the reunion with Brian Usner, the director of Society, and he's like an icon in the in the film world. But um, that reunion was like, you know, that was like a, you know, that was a, you know, I'm sure he had stuff to forgive me on, too. But, I mean, that was, you know... What you don't see is that was an act of forgiveness that, um, and where it is today is, you know, the doc, if it, and he's ending up helping us with uh, our legal, you know, and, and going to bat for us. And uh, he hasn't even seen the whole thing, but he knows, you know, the part we filmed at, at his house with him in it. But I mean, he was, he, he's been totally, you know, there's been like the past is buried. So we've been able to get, you know, um, uh, beyond it, but that day that they were filming was the first time I'd seen Brian. And how many years was that? How many? Let's just add them up. Since about 1992, yeah. about 20 years I hadn't seen him, and so they caught that live. You know, and we talked about society and about writing. And I, I'm not sure what he believes about how I came to write it. It's not even that, it's, you know, like my partner and then Rick Fry, he didn't, he just thought it was fiction and he didn't think any of it. People would come up to me and go, is that an autobiography? And I said, I don't think so. And then, and then, and yet it, it was in a way. And so it's, it's, uh, it's been a very confusing thing, but I think that's just the kind of thing that uh, it's got some kind of power to it. The, uh, the whole project of society and, and then, you know, I think some people want it to be a political statement about the rich versus the poor, kind of eat the rich movie. And I think in a way it's, um, it certainly is that, you know, because I, I, I probably, I guess when I was, you know what, it's, it's probably going to take me a while to even explain how that even happened and. Maybe the doc isn't, he won't do it, but it'll certainly give you something to look at, and uh, it'll, it'll at least be entertaining. And uh, I just saw the um, the close cut with um, our composer's music in it, and uh, and Julian Sands will um, well, he is the uh, the narrator, and so with that in there, and why was it? It was that music. I've, I, I think, the, our guy went beyond anything I've ever heard him do. You know what I mean? He was really inspired music. I've, 
it's you know all kind of you know film music classical kind of music but it was just very very uh powerful and uh i can't deny the cut is good it's the only thing i don't like like i say is i'm kind of a mess by the time it went on and you know and the weird thing about that is it kind of in a sense it works that i'm not all a thousand against percent put together that it kind of works that it, it just you know, there's there's not much guile going on. There's not much not much makeup on there. So, you know, I can tell you that that it was you know as honest as I could possibly be, and uh, I have no amendments to it. I've got no. The cut by Larry is absolutely brilliant. I I, I believe it will probably there will be people that you know um, who knows maybe someone will shoot me. <laughs> I mean, you're dealing in very dangerous territory there. And especially because the Zeph report is kind of connected to it. And we they did talk about that in the documentary. That showed up. And the Zeph report, a big part of this is suicide prevention, which, you know, it's kind of, it, it, it's a little bit of a, not an intellectual exercise. It's more like, well, here's Zeph here, so therefore you can't kill yourself. <laughs> or even more close to the truth, the suicide attempts have to stop because this is the Zeph report. And the whole point of this is to get filled up on Christ because Christ Jesus can pull us within. He can go inside us, change us, pull us, lead us, but for one thing, deliver us from suicide. That's the least he does. You learn to go through those dark times where you think, oh, no, it's all screwed again. I was wrong. I have no faith. Screw you, God. Blah, 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 blah. And act like a baby, you know? And um, and as you get older, you learn to just wait. You feel bad inside. Lord, I feel bad inside. There's no reason for me to have ever been born, Lord. I feel bad inside. Please just kill me. Okay, wait. Hold it. Oh, it all turned into a blessing. What I thought was everything bad. And the Lord turned the tables and I I didn't acknowledge him. He made it all good. And now I'm a fool with egg on my face, but I don't repent. And I don't remember the miracle the Lord brought me. Oh. So now let's beat ourselves up over that, shall we? You see how it can get, right? It's, it's, but it's that way for everybody. And at the end of the day, what, what we have to remember is the Lord delivers, period. And that between that period of trouble and deliverance, there's a thing called faith. And that faith is given by God to those who will exercise it. I know if I have Christ in me, then nothing can stop me. I, there's, I can say, so let's not fall apart when the next crisis comes. Shall we not, please?
you know, the Brits with their stiff upper lip kind of thing. You know, that's not what I'm talking about here. Having a stiff upper lip during the thing. I'm talking about faith. You know it's going to be all right, and you know they're trying to do evil to you, and you know the Lord will use it for good, but you're going to have to be patient, and that's faith. You know your husband, daughter, son, grandpa, whoever, is going to come to Christ. You've been praying for it all these years. You have to have that faith to know that's going to happen. I got it. Okay, I got the scripture for you, which is, um, you know, what father, uh, when his child asked for bread, would give his son a stone? Who? Where? No one. Right? And likewise, you know, God doesn't necessarily work on our time clock. And God is not there for us to control. I have some, you know, bad news about sad guru. Okay, that's enough of that. You're, you're eating that on the leather. Okay, there you go. Ben! He loves that thing. He, he doesn't love it. He's just, he's teething. And he's very powerful. He's going to be stronger than than Dasha. I have no idea what kind of dog he is. Anyway, um, so I'm not proud of those times, you know, where I, there are plenty of times I waited, I had faith and waited and it, and it worked out. I give God the glory. And Lord, you're the only one that could have made that work out. There's been a lot of those miracles. But to the extent that I have enough faith to do that, I will see nothing but miracles. But the reason I don't is because I block them. I block them through fear and lack of faith and self-hatred. You know, being a baby, blaming God for everything, and you know, all that. And so what I'm going to say here about Sadhguru is there's something about Sadhguru that really makes me angry. Not just the fact that he's a globalist in the pocket of Klaus Schwab and all that. That's obvious. Obvious from just listening to him for five minutes. He's a uh, an authoritarian, right? He wants to dictate to you. And um, he was telling people, Quit with your prayers of asking God for this and asking God for that. He doesn't need your prayer. He knows what you need. And so he's going to, you know, he loves to chastise his audience. And sadly, there are millions of, you know, people around the world that sit and listen to this guy. And I'm like, how in the freaking world, in how in any stretch of the imagination, that he proves that you just want to be a slave? He's a totalitarian. He wants to eliminate, you know, 90% of the population on earth and has said so publicly. How could you sit with another false guru? How many have we had? These exotic gurus from India. The, the Beatles brought over the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. That was a joke. And the Beatles, to me, were a joke. 
you say good music compared to what? They they had innovative, different style. They they did different things. They had a few catchy tunes, but in the end of it, I really don't care. You know, in the end of it, I I really don't care. If it's the entertainment industry, well, then I really don't care. Look at the people that work in the entertainment industry. They have faith, more faith in their in their espresso maker. You know what I mean? And their and their uh, you, you know their their uh, what is that thing that code that Q code QR code uh, at Starbucks? Then then they have in 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 and you know and they consider themselves gods. But look what happens when they get around an actor. Or, a, you know, somebody that celebrated a celebrity. Look how they go into slave mode, getting on their knees and say, I'm not worthy, I'll do whatever you tell me. And that's how they're conditioned to join. They don't join the club. They're the functionaries. They work at the agencies. They work in the law firms. They, they uh, you know, they work as, you know, they, they do their functionary jobs. But they have to be slaves or they're not going to be let in because everyone else there is a slave. And when you tell them this, they get really mad. Well, sad guru, he wants to take it one step further since he's basically entertainment, right? He's like a like a the video show. He wants people to literally shut up and don't inquire of God. And I, I, I had a vision of myself being in a, maybe I'm envisioning myself being younger, maybe being, you know, older and having a long beard and just screaming and, you know, just being a, you know, is he, is he, is he, you know, just being so into God that uh, nobody understands me. And I break into the, uh, to the meeting where he's telling everyone, shut up and believe me, God doesn't need to hear your, your complaints and your troubles. He, you know, and all that, you know, just, just be quiet. Just be quiet, he says, like he's God. And then that's the first travesty that I saw with this guy. He put himself up above. He said, you shut up. Don't talk to God and be quiet. There, God, I shut them up for you. Aren't I a good guy? You know what I mean? And, and, and they shut up. They shut up. They all shut up. Shut up. Shut. No, they didn't shut, but they shut. So they shut up. And that was his whole point. God doesn't need to hear all that. And so I've got these people, including good friends, who, when they go to meditate, they go into these monasteries and stuff around the world. They like the Asian style, more Zen style, I guess. And they, they become like slaves at the monastery. You know, they, they be quiet, and they don't make a sound, and they're quiet. They're being quiet. They're being obedient to the master. This is not of God. Let me explain to Mr. Sad. In fact, from now on, we just call him Sad. You know who I'm talking about, right? Sad. He's sad. It's the whole thing. Everyone follows him as sad. The whole point is, how would he know what God wants and doesn't want over you know, a child in the audience, let's say? He wouldn't. We all know from God different things. 
And the only way, okay, so one thing the Lord told me, he loves to hear from children. He loves children asking him about things like the universe and, you know, is, you know, you know, please help me with my father, my mother, my this, that, you know. He loves hearing all those concerns. He loves that honest conversation between one of his children and himself, like any father would. I find it absolutely evil to shut God away from his people and put yourself, sad guru, in the role of God. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? But it doesn't surprise me because you hang around with Klaus Schwab and those guys that, you know, so you are God, you are the authority, and we all need to listen and obey as you tell us. I'm telling you, if you want to break God's heart, take those conversations away. That, 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 take those earnest prayers away. He wanted people to stop. Listen, the guy publicly asked for people to stop praying because God loves that. God can handle lots of conversations. A lot of us just go, Father, I'm in deep shit now. I've, I've let everybody down. I've, I've hurt myself. I'm, I don't think I'll ever make it out of this alive. Lord, please help me. Please help me, Lord. Please just help me get through this night. I did this, I did that. And then sometimes the conversation goes kind of psychic where you have thoughts in your head that God is telling you and then there's your response that you're telling God. And it's going on silently without speaking it. And I'm here to tell you that he loves that. God loves that. Especially when it comes to you know, being contrite, repenting, you know, and all those things, all the myriads of things that he hears from us. He loves to hear from us. I So much so that I would call any prayer is really an honest conversation with God. That's what I think prayer is. You can do it, you don't have to speak it. You can do it mentally or psychically or you know, however it happens. But an honest conversation with God, not being quiet. God is so superior, he doesn't need to hear. Basically what Mr. Sad is saying is God is so superior, he doesn't need to hear from you. That is, this guy is just, the fact that nobody calls him out on anything, he just gets to do whatever he wants. It's, it's. I remember these, I'm in kind of the guru capital of the world. All the Rajneesh people came to Santa Fe after Rajneesh. Ah, oh, they're all dying and dead now, but anyway. Um, so these people had to find a new guru and they found a new guru in India and this was a couple that would sell their wares and sell things, you know, trinkets and stuff from India, from, you know, exotic places in the world to collectors. And this guru, they said, he had a funny name and he renamed them too. The gurus always give you a new name. And he gave them a name, and he, I said, well, so what do you do? He said, well, we sit with him. We don't say that we just sit with the guru. And what does he do? He tells dirty jokes and farts. That's all he does. And uh, don't you understand the sophistication of that? I'm, I'm like, I, yeah, I, I get it. I understand. You're not going to judge God or judge the guru. 
you know, you're going to remain in dutiful concentration as you were told. While he goes on <laughs> with his dirty jokes and and uh, um, expelling of gas. So I said, well, have you ever thought that maybe this guy was fake, just like taking your money, turning you into a slave, making you work in the, you know, growing tomatoes in the garden? Have you ever thought of that? No, it's, this is, this is, he's a representative of God. Oh, okay. And how did that happen? Well, he appointed himself or some other guru appointed him or something. I see. So an appointment of man. Yeah. And so because of that tradition of gurus, you need to listen and obey. That is correct. But don't talk to God. He doesn't need to hear from you. He already knows. And um, sometimes God is like, I feel so guilty and I talk to God. Oh God, I feel so guilty. I feel so terrible. I don't know how I can face tomorrow. And God will say to me, well, what did you do wrong? Like a confession. And I'll say, I'm, 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 you know. And then I realize I didn't really do anything wrong. You know? I didn't really do anything wrong. I just feel guilty anyway. And I feel ashamed. And I feel you know, phobic, and I feel suicidal, and I feel like I'm dead already. And then eventually it works out that, you know, this is a problem. And there may be a cure, but there's no way to really, in a kind of a intellectual way to discuss it back and forth like with a therapist to where you come up with a solution but I see how God is one thing he said to me this is another like you know I don't get that many revelations from God but when I do get one it sticks as I started became conscious of God and, and giving my life to him he said you have a lot of damage something like that. This was back in about the year 2000. It's going to take a long time to undo the damage that other people did to you. But you didn't do it to yourself. Right. And still you must forgive them. Uh, how did we get so heavy? We were having a great time with the beautiful sky and the sun. and the. Well, you know, they're going to be out there talking about, uh, hey, well, Jenny's going to Radcliffe, and Bobby, he'll be going to Harvard, and we'll be, we're going to be looking at the uh, George O'Keefe Museum today. Then we're going out to an authentic Indian chant, and we're going to play some drums, and then we're going to, you know, uh, have some... Uh, you know, dinner at the local place for a wine tasting, and life is just grand. 
just grand. And, you know, this is really my, because I know that doesn't sound that bad, really. But I was so traumatized by that kind of thing that I, it's so deeply ingrained in my psyche. I just, when I see it, I want to, I just want to slap the shit out of them all. But I don't because I then take on the guilt on myself and the shame that they should feel by being hypocrites and elitists and snobs and instead put it on me to give them a break. As I was taught to do! And as my healing would dictate, healing would be not having those feelings, okay? Not having that. I think the reason this pot has gotten a little bit heavy is because I saw the documentary last night. This, you know, the final Larry cut. And, well, you know, and again, we're trying to get some clips and licenses for, you know, certain famous people. And I don't know. It's... um, it's going to happen. And I have faith. I think there's a reason we ended up doing it, isn't there? I can't, not like a, I, there was a, it, it sort of evolved, you know, and, and then we, we've been working at it for, you know, the better part of, a, of almost a year. And, uh, yeah. It wasn't like a motivated thing, like let's get so-and-so, let's hurt so-and-so. It's, it's a, let's bring the empire down. It wasn't anything like that. Just a little story. But it's scary. Because there's so much you could tear apart of me just by being a, you know, a left-wing psychiatrist, let's say. Could really go to town, right? And no, I shouldn't be afraid of things like that. I have a letter from a doctor that says I have a sound mind. He said, "If he said I'm concerned, they're going to haul you into court and then, you know, put you away somewhere." So here's a letter from me, you know, years ago, but I still have the letter signed by you know a you know certified guy. Uh, MD, and saying that I am of sound mind. And um, because he felt the talks were going into an area where they intervene, where they don't want you, the public, you, the audience, to know, you know, I mean, it's, it's okay if you know kind of generally what's going on, it's even okay if you identify as, I don't, I don't know, um, you know, patriots, or more more accurately, Christians. It's more, it, it's fine. They don't mind that, you know. They they've never minded the churches. They've never minded the pastors, most of them. And you know, they say about the beast system and the world and six 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 and. You know, the, the harlots and the, you know, the troubles people have in the congregation are so massive. They never really 
get to pointing out the powers that be and the you know the shadow the real shadow government which is the real club and um you know the idea that uh this is a simulation is something that should be taken up by every pastor in in the world because it's god's simulation for the purpose of producing christ and we could just so we are being put to the test and through the grinder to produce Christ in us. I had to say that. I do believe that. I believe that giving, giving all these kids everything they want, look at what we've done. We've spoiled the hell. All they want to do is sit around doing no work, no nothing, and watch their uh, TikTok all day. You know, and, and think about who they're going to hump that night and where they can get some drugs. And that's maybe an exaggerated aspect of where we were when we were kids. But now it includes no work. And I know what the Lord thinks about work. I mean, even if you're independent and all you can do is work on your own, if you don't work, I know that you probably feel guilty, right? Even if you're working at something and not working for the man. You're not working for the man, you're creating a... You know, you're doing, you're doing a talk that cannot be monetized. You're doing work for the Lord that can't be put into a sum of money or something. So people look at you like a loser. But if you don't do that work that the Lord has called you to do, there's that feeling of not just guilt but being lost. Would you agree? And, and so you, even if it's not going to please your family... Or please, mommy and daddy, that, well, you finally joined society and you're making your contribution to society. You know, um, you're a contributing member of society. What about me doing this? You don't count. You're not considered anything in society. And no one can see you. You belong with the Beatles record, Eleanor Rigby. Where do they, people like you come from? Father McKenzie, writing all the words of the sermon that no one will hear. No one comes near. Oh, why don't they come near to Father McKenzie? Because he was the real deal, is why. Because he's real. And the televangelists are not. They're worse than, you know, Mr. Sad. At least Mr. Sad comes right out and tells you, you know, you shut up and you listen to me. I'll tell you what God thinks. I just wanted to break in there and slap his face. I wanted to, 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 to throw him off the mic, grab the mic myself, and tell the people to wake up out of your hypnotized state. This is a jackal. This is a demon. This is a materialist. This is like the banker you hate. This guy wants your money. He wants your kids. He wants to be elevated by Klaus Schwab to be the spiritual leader of the world. Get off your knees. Be a human being for Pete's sake. 
A human being is not a slave. Don't be sad guru's slave. Don't do it. I've been through this guru thing since I was 14. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it because you're going to regret it. And not because they're doing anything I say. It's for your own good that you, because later, what is it? I understand. You want to go out and throw the frisbee? We should, you want to throw the frisbee? He's doing, just coming so close to uh, using his teeth, but he isn't. Okay, I'm sorry, Ben. I know you need to run off some steam. I should take you to the uh, dog park is what I should do. No biting. No biting, no barking. (laughs) Oh, man. See a puppy's life. You know? What's bothering him are his teeth. No biting. No biting. No biting. No biting. Good boy. He doesn't get under your feet under there? Okay. No, no. So we're going to wrap this thing up because Ben needs help. Because his his teeth are really bothering him. But I just wanted to add a couple more things. Number one, it's okay to be a mess. (laughs) You know what I mean? You're going up against the big B system. You may not even realize it, you know, but you are. You're standing there against it, right? And you're getting beat up in the process. And, you you know, it's okay. You're fighting the good fight. You're running the race. You're running it not to, not to you know, tie. You're running it not to quit and go into the infield. You're running the race to cross that finish line. And you will. And God set it up that way. That's like God's simulation. But there's also a whole bunch of other aspects to it, of miracles and things that are mind-blowing if we can just get down the road a little bit. For example, in Pakistan, you know, we have John and Violet. And they have seen their ministry grow from an orphanage to street ministry to converting you know, Afghans as well to Christ you know, by the hundreds and thousands. And um, and they have to operate on miracles because they don't have the money to be able to feed everyone, to be able to, to do what they really need to do. And, um, you know, the tragedy is, you know, we'll hear about 25 dying one day, another 30 or 40 die another day. That's what they have to face, that they live in a world where that's how many people die around them. And they rely on miracles from the Lord, from Jesus, and there are so many miracles in the midst of this battle that their faith has been strengthened and bolstered, though they are sad and upset at the carnage that uh, the devil is allowed to get away with. But they know God is allowing the devil to get away with that, or Satan, or evil forces, demons, whatever, allowing that to happen for a time. But that's not... um, But even that has a purpose. Even that has a purpose. And one of the purposes is to get us to pray that uh, that 
that the Lord stop the carnage, that the Lord stop the death, that the Lord, you know, turn some of this around. Because he did say, when he talked about a third of the earth, that would be, um, you know, two or three billion people. You know, say three billion people dead. And um, the other thing is, if you want to know where Satan is, just look for Klaus Schwab and a WEF. That's Satan. And and basically, the whole thing about that is, they're laughing at you because you you did what they told you to do. Now, how many Americans are out there will do it all over again? Too many. They don't listen. You know, what, what Klaus Schwab calls these people useless. He calls them useless eaters. And they need to be cleaned up, you know, killed. And he didn't get arrested for that. But to God, you know, what are they? If all they do is follow the slave orders and be slaves and don't acknowledge the Lord, then is that a useless eater to God? Is that a useless eater to me? Do we deserve as a country to be spared or should... How many people would be left if the useless... If God cleared out the useless eaters? Maybe he'll clear me out. Let's say he does. How many would be left? The answer is correct. Not very many. Because the flesh is weak. And the people in America fear the politician and the government. They fear Klaus Schwab. They want to obey the WHO. They want to obey what they're told. They want to lock themselves down. They want to get law enforcement to beat you up or hurt you or to kill you because you're not complying. They are the ones. You know, the if that spreads, that kind of attitude, the golden calf people, they eventually get slain, all of them. All of them. They don't get a seat at the table. They lose their children. They lose their money. They lose everything. And they lose their voices. Ben's is looking at that. That hallelujah. Well, here's today's prayer. And when you hear that sound, folks, that's the today's prayer. Okay, today's acknowledgement is you will win. Someone looking for something prophetic, this is what it says. You will win. Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Walk in wisdom. Let me finish. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace. Season with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. No teeth. And then uh, it says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace. And then, uh, so a little bit more about it. Paul is addressing both our walk and our talk. We are to walk in wisdom in a way that uses time wisely instead of wasting it. 
In doing this, unbelievers will be maybe provoked to ask us why we live the way they do. Bingo! Then we must answer with grace, wisdom, and appropriateness. Isn't this what we were talking about? Like, exactly? Amen. Don't you love the way this works? Now, a lot of people say, oh, that's just a coincidence. Yeah, if it's a coincidence, it's number, like, number 5,327. <laughs> you have made us your witnesses, Lord, that you are God. Our actions and our words are a witness to the world. Let them be full of wisdom and love. Help us to know how to speak a word in season and how to speak the truth in love to others. Amen. In Jesus' name. Yes. That's what I'm trying to talk about evangelism. And when people, they, they, they see that you, you know, if they, for example, I had a talk with uh, somebody and I said, well, you know, as long as your self-esteem doesn't come from your job, you're okay. My self-esteem comes from the Lord. If it came from anywhere else, I would not be okay. I can barely make it as it is. In you know, sometimes I'm falling apart, but that truth remains. My self-esteem, my self-worth, at the end of the day, at the end of the argument, at the end of whatever the devil tries to do to me, convincing me I'm, I'm no good, at the end of that day, there is no way to argue out of it. The Lord made me, you know, if I look at Scripture, I'm honest, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made that I am uh, a necessary part of the body of Christ and um, that the Lord loves me for that, you know, period. And I am uh, chosen of the Lord because I answered the, gosh, I probably was chosen my whole life and resisted it, I don't know. But I accepted the call, and all I can say is no regrets. I don't regret, you know, doing it on my own before that or fighting on my own. But I, um, when that happened, and the Lord told me how damaged I was. See, even in that state, I have friends. You know, there are people that will want to discount. No, come on, Ben. Who want? Who want to? I know it's tough who want to discount um, any of our testimonies and say, well, you didn't seem that crazy to me. And it's like, I was completely split in a million pieces. I had a million different fragments of personalities. They were like fragments. They weren't developed alters like, you know, uh, but they could go pretty far. I mean, they could go into a whole, you know, you know, dissociation. And it was crazy, but a lot of damage. Okay, so then people I knew at that time said, well, you just seem like you were acting normally, like that's just you. And so they do not acknowledge that I have to somehow integrate all that splitting back into one personality, into one human being. But that the Lord's the only way to do that. The, the shrinks can't do that. The medication can't do that. CBD oil can't do that. And the reason that people get, you know, messed up mentally is because they either get tortured, they get hurt, something happens that traumatizes, and they weren't able to clear the trauma. So it's if you have, like, PTSD, um, post-traumatic stress disorder, that things keep coming back or the thing you see something that triggers you back to that feeling of before, that's a terrible feeling. 
I've had that most of my life. That's a terrible feeling. I don't have it. But see, right now, I don't have it. It's bad. You know, it's like, when it was earlier, it would, I remember one time, uh, I was at someone's house for dinner. I got triggered. And uh, I told them all to, to fuck off. I said, go to hell. Fuck off. Get away from me. And I just tore out of the house. Ran home and was there anything by? Well, there was drinks, there was some weed. I don't know, but whatever happened, maybe the weed triggered me. I don't know. Whatever happened, I, you know. And then, then after that, I was never accepted again into that social circle. Now I couldn't help it. It was like they were going to come after me, or something. There was some weird psychic link going on, and. People will tell me, you probably weren't wrong, Zeph. There was something going on. Yes, there was certainly something. And I busted them, let's say. And so they don't ever going to trust you again because you scare them. And then I might think about it a few years later after that, you know, just in layers, where it's like now it's like, hey, you know, um, I became aware that I was on one side and all of them were on another side. So it became very uncomfortable. So I was not incorrect, but the way that I behaved, you know, frightened, right? Frightened, scared. I attacked when feeling frightened. Anyway... I understand it now. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, but, you know, too many incidents like that will get you put away somewhere. So, anyway, it's... Uh, gosh. Nobody really knows you're healed except for you. You know, to other people, you look fine. What's wrong? Oh, nothing. <laughs> now tell me, I really want to help. Um, the other thing I told you was that it's not... Uh, it's... It's God's timing, not Klaus Schwab, and not Sad Guru, his little guru that runs around. Not that loser, okay? And, jeez, man. It's okay, I'm not going to mention him again. I just, I see him on YouTubes. And people go, oh, he's not that bad. He's not that bad. He got me to put my faith away and believe in him. That's pretty bad. If you really want to worship God, you'll do what I tell you. I, I did that. He got me doing that. So I'm lost because of him, because I listened and I obeyed. And now I repent. Lord, you, only you. And we'll see you guys next time. Ah, it sure was nice. We went on.
hour and 39 minutes. And, and I, Trish, fatigue, laying down. Awesome, I'll tell you guys a secret. I think the environment is being polluted with stuff that depletes iron in people, you know, depleting, you know, red blood cells. It produces anemia. I think so, that it's par partially a toxic, you know, and it may be in different regions, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they were trying to weaken us with uh, something like anemia. How would they do it? They could do it with uh, 5G frequencies. They could do it with, with radiation. They could do it with, you know, like I said, targeting is mainstream. When they target us now, they don't just target one or two. I mean, they'll they'll gaslight a Peter Navarro or somebody that you know, a uh, another guy like you know Tucker Carlson or somebody like that that's you know out there telling the truth. But when they go at it, they go at it macro. You know, like the entire population of Texas, we're going to get them this weekend. And I think I, I I'm, I'm going to hold my tongue a little bit on that until I find out some at the end of some tests. I may get a blood test too. But here's what I noticed. I started hitting the B12. And this is, you know, this may resonate with you. It might not. And I don't ever tell you to follow me. So no worries about, I give you advice that I would give myself, but I don't, you don't have to, you know, you do what uh, you will with, the, you know, you're a free person. You check with the Lord, you know. Here's one to check on. So I'd have the B12, I got the B12 from, I got the Ultra B12 from Alex Jones, InfoWars. And it's, um, it's very good. It's ultra. And I started slamming that when I found out that, you know, friends and, you know, others, uh, you know, good friend has, you know, a, a problem in that area of, you know, possible anemia and, you know, they're working on it. And then that triggered me to be thinking, because I thought at first I had narcolepsy, and then I thought it was tied to sleep apnea. Then I thought it was this, I thought it was that. And finally, I started looking into iron deficiencies. And um, any blood test, you know, a comprehensive blood test that you get anywhere will, will be able to tell you whether you're deficient in hemoglobin, right? So I started looking into the subject and diving pretty deep. I mean, I was looking at, you know, non-heme um, iron and heme iron. Heme is from animals, and non-heme is from plants. And then I, I realized one thing. Well, of course, vegetarians will never, ever get enough B12. I mean, I... You know, that's what Francesca was a vegetarian on and off. I could only last about a week. But she would, she, you have to hit the B12, she'd say. You have to hit the, B, the Bs. I'm like, you don't understand that the, the, you know, something like a piece of red meat has a B spectrum. And um, there's also the mineral iron. You know, so there's a lot more to it. But it makes me understand. He said, well, you'll eat bugs. You'll be happy. You'll, you'll, you know, no more meat. We're going to kill all the cow farms. And, and the anemia that that would cause worldwide would make it, again, everything they do is just bludgeon, beat, 
Well, give me a shoe, I'm Klaus Schwab. I'm a stupid fucking nobody. I just, I need to hammer you in there because I, I kiss my rocks off when I see you suffer. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what I think you're dealing with. An IQ on that level. Pretending to be an intellectual. Pretending to think he knows something. Then pop open his book. The Great Reset is a disaster as a piece of literature. And a joke as any sort of scientific manual. Or social, or, or, you know, social science manual. A joke! Why? Because there is no system in place to switch over to. It's all just, you know, um, dittering away at their laptops. That's all it is. Thinking they're smart, they're gods. They got nothing. I have the blood of Jesus covering this whole show. I have Christ within me. I am armed with the truth and nothing but the truth. Every day, whether I like it or not, whether it agrees with me or I have to learn something new about the truth. But the truth keeps coming. These people have never known it. That makes me very dangerous. Oh, they'll leave me alone because if they start picking on me, they'll be like, oh, this little guy. He's got two listeners. <laughs> no offense, guys. But, you know, compared to people that have hundreds and thousands and millions, I'm not... I believe that God has kept me in a... in a... a healing cocoon, sort of, and then, and then wants me to speak. Yes, Mr. Guru, he wants me to speak. He wants me to speak. What do you think of that, huh? And not that I, I only speak when he wants I can't have a scheduled show. I speak when he wants me to speak. So anyway, back to the iron. Good. I picked up that thread. Good. <laughs> okay, so the iron. All right. So what I've learned lately, you just can't. I mean, you can get a shots of iron into your vein if you're, you know what I mean? It's a very hard process, but to get your iron back up and get get back on your feet. But that's a, you know, that you got to work with a hematologist and uh, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's, it's tough for your body to assimilate to that much iron. So I started like, okay, um, I, I would take this B12 and then, you know, red meat. I think, I think one of my favorite red beans is really lean burger. You know what I mean? Easy to cook, easy to you know jam down those B vitamins. Um, and looking around for anything else I can do to help myself do it in kind of a holistic way, including, although I'm not really married to this idea, adding supplemental iron to where I already have an iron supplement with iron in it, but... A heavy, you know, a pure fer- you know, ferrous, F-E, which is iron. F-E is iron. You know, on the, on the what do they call that? The, uh, the uh, uh, gosh, now I forget the word. You know how they have all the different chemicals, all the different elements? On the ele- elemental scale or whatever, it's, uh, it's called F-E, which stands for ferrous. I told you I dove deep on this stuff. And um, then I realized, and this is just 
in, you know, I don't know why I'm getting all this knowledge right now, but I'm thankful for it. I've always had a a twitch in my foot. People know me laughing. My foot's always twitching. You know, and then lately, and again, I acknowledge my advanced age, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm older. I'm 68 going on 69. So, you know, things, you suspect things may break down. Plus, I'm, I'm overweight. I'm, you know, I look, I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm working on it. But you see, this condition of, I think, low iron, this fatigue I've had the last two years, it kind of began with, with Francesca's suicide and just kind of has been a struggle. And, and like, I wouldn't even eat much and I'd gain weight. You know what I mean? Just, just like, it's something, you know, chemical, something really amiss. And so, and then I started you know, zeroing in on the B12 and B5 and B2 and, you know, niacin and, you know, the Bs. And then I realized that uh, I came across a, a simple um, pill by a company, at Carlisle, that puts out, uh, they put out like copper, magnesium, the, you know, separate, you know, pills and and uh so i came across one they made called iron and it was like nine dollars for like 400 tablets you know which is pretty amazing right and it's a good company so anyway i about a week ago a little over a week ago i went and got a uh, iv drip a meyer a meyer's cocktail plus i was just slamming the B12, you know, the Ultra B12. I've probably gone through about three bottles of it. And that night that I had the Myers cocktail, now that's a combination of the Bs and all good things for you. And it was good. I yeah, yeah, definitely recommend keeping up with it, but I don't think it's going to be sustainable to keep going and getting another shot every other day. You know, that's this. The, the one I got was about $100, $119 because they they did a technique where they didn't let it drip, they just shoved it in there with a big syringe because I wanted to get it over with. So, but that's a lot less money, you know. And I don't think I'll do that again because it hurt, you know. But that night, for the first time in maybe 30 or 40 years or longer, my legs were not twitching around in the bed. Like a lot of time I'd hang a, I'd hang my ankle over, you know, so my, my foot was free over the mattress, and just it would just start wiggling. It got so bad, like the last couple, three weeks, that it wasn't wiggling anymore. My leg was jumping up and down and slamming hard the floor, like, like pop, 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 like that. That's not just doing that silent little thing where your foot's going and your knee, you know what I mean? That's now doing this. Okay. So I'm getting worried. Yeah, I'm just wondering how much longer, and I'm feeling really low, low energy, and just, you know, I had gone one route of trying to solve it with stimulants. I came across one stimulant called Motifenil, which do not take that, whatever you do, because in the end of the day, you got to pay it. It's like Adderall. You have to pay it back. So, um, you know, and I'd paid it back. I mean, I, you know, but, but then again, I took it because I had really no choice. I, you know, and that was what they use for uh, 
to be treated for um, uh, um, uh, narcolepsy because I'd just be like, I'd be, you know, sitting there in a session and then I'd, I, I, then they'd wake me up and I was snoring. You know what I mean? And, you know, this had been going on the last couple of years, right, Trish? I guess I'm describing a nightmare now. We're getting as we get more into it, it's you're getting more details. And I used to have to pull over the RV, like I've got an RV that you know I probably don't know if I'll ever use it again. I'm I'm kind of yes, to you, will. you think so? Yeah. I don't have any energy to do. It. I can't do it. I don't think I could hook up the Jeep. I can't. I can't do anything. That's how I felt. But now I I I, I walk down the hall. I'd be huffing and puffing. You know what I mean? So how am I going to go? I'm not going to drive anywhere. I managed to drive to Dallas for the uh, Frightmare weekend, which, by the way, we'll have a, a little booth there in, in uh, May, the end of May. And, you know, it'll be kind of exciting. We're going to screen something there. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, anybody that wants to, come. Yeah, but a hotel space, you almost ought to get it now if you're going to, it's going to be just jammed. I think John Carpenter will be there and, I probably I'm not going to ask Brian to to to, to come because I he's never really experienced that. I think probably uh mm, Freddie, you know, what's you know, Robert England will be there. Last year I saw Lance Heinrichson, really old, but he was he was having fun. Yeah. Even though he's a really old guy, he looks like he he they wasn't he wasn't going to let that stop him. And I was there, but I was pretty fatigued. You know, we were driven down from here down to Dallas, and uh, I was pretty fatigued. And, and, you know, I even missed our screening where we had a standing-room-only screening of Girl Next. And Julian introduced it, Julian Sands. And he uh, he had just watched the film, th- these two films, Quantum Devil and that. And he was really blown away by them. I mean, he said some things that were just like, that you don't hear except at like an Academy Award. It just, it really kind of, you know, I, I know about this because I have video of Larry and him were on the stage. And, um, you know, there were some celebs in the audience, some famous actors, and it was jammed with people. Scary! Because if they don't like it, where are you going to hide? <laughs> you know? And uh, it turned out to be great, a great screening, and they got a standing ovation. And, um, you know, it's won, now it's up to 85 awards. It was 76. Now it's like, that's what Pia was telling me. It's like 85. Wow. And we didn't even push it that hard. It just got invited to more and more festivals. And I think what they saw in Girl Next or what they see is this, there's a thing they're going to recognize more and more. It's like a freedom, maybe, um, in what we made compared to what gets made out there. It wasn't, I would say, technically... Well, it was pretty good technically. I, I can't say anything negative about it, really. I really enjoyed the whole thing. It, it was really a journey. But we knew we had something that critics would hate. If Larry's listening to this, I think he would agree with me. You know, we knew and we, we decided, you know, okay, brother, we're going we're, we're gonna to hold our ground here and we're going to go through We're going to go through it. And I think what happened is we wound up having not not slaying the world or by any means but uh developing some really loyal fans that more material from it you know they they you know they watch it on occasion 
They don't, you know, and they're just, you know, it's really, I think he had said it too in this one, the, the, the dark side of society said, um, you know, you might not get the broad spectrum of fans. That's what the mainstream's trying to do, you know, the studio system. But the ones you get will be very loyal and they'll be on everything you do. And I think that approach has been, well, for me, it was very healthy, I guess, after French, you know, it was a truly collaborative effort with, Muscal and me on the uh, story, and then I wrote the screenplay, and then Larry directed it. It was just real simple. You know, it wasn't our first choice. But uh, for those people that want some truth, they'll see it. And, the, you know, and it's uh, some of the perverted parts are, you know, they're not judgmental of people or anything else. I mean, it'd be very hard for somebody on, say, the you know, political left to look at that and go, oh, see, that's misogynist. I mean, they have done that in reviews. They've, they've, they've done everything. They've shat all over it. But it's still going. And we just released it in France. So we'll just keep on with our way, and we're just going to keep on focused on the fans that we get and pleasing them. You know what I mean? And not trying to, I think this is one of our prayers, not trying to please Hollywood, right? And they're never going to, you know what I mean? To them, I'm just a nutcase, I'm just, you know, right? They're just going to lie to me, treat me bad. But the fans out there are good, they're awesome. You know what I mean? Like at these conventions, they... You know, they want to know some secrets, what happened behind the scenes, and they they just, it's really ama- an amazing difference. It's like a day and night thing, and a lot of these films, you know, they said, one of the reasons I kind of left L.A. when I did was because I I I wrote the sequel um, to Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, I think, was the one I wrote. And Brian Usna directed it, and it was, um, it had, you know, some actors had Clint Howard, Maude Adams, and some horror guys like Reggie Bannister, and uh, he was he was in the Phantasm for those of you who are horror fans, and um, uh, a hot babe uh, for the lead actress, and it was called Initiation. Can you imagine? <laughs> and everybody attacked it as the worst. I think it got like. It still sits today with two out of five stars or two out of nine, so, you know, like a complete failure in every way. Um, then it just got reviewed by Joe Blow. It's a big, big horror magazine out of Canada, I believe. And they revisited it and they played the movie. They went through the whole movie, they, you know, revisiting it. And it's been, you know, that and number five, Brian went on and directed number five as well. I don't know what happened to me. I think I just ditched the whole thing and then I thought that Brian was like, you know, I was just uh, after my horrible writing of four that I was not going to be allowed to work on five and then he did five with another writer. I'm like, okay, see, I'm out of here. Everything, you know, or I went and made a movie and and I just concluded I was terrible. So the bottom line on that was um, it got revisited 
and in December of 2021, which is not even a you know a whole whole year, um, and it got a good good review, a good you know marks for originality, and and you know and and it was very original, very original, very interesting, very different. And and everyone complained, and they said, "Well, they, you, you should have done more of a slasher film, like, you know, like Silent Night, Deadly Night One." And we didn't. We did this dark initiation, satanic ritual thing. And um, anyway, it just goes to show you. You see, I, I had no confidence in myself. I had no God. I had no, no Jesus to fall back. Nothing. You know, just just a weak man trying to stand up and not being able to. And had I been, you know, like I am now, having the Lord, I'd say, I know exactly what's going to happen. Let's go, let's, you know, charge. Let's, you know what I mean? It's, that's what we intended to do. And I remember when we were writing the script, and Brian was right there with me when I was, you know, when I was, at times I was like, you know, typing stuff he was saying, and then other times I'd, I'd written a whole draft, and, and then we rewrote it a couple of times so he was involved you know what i mean it wasn't just little old me you know he was involved and the story came from uh uh you know some some other people and a big time producer and other there's you know so we had a story to follow so it's not like we went out there all alone you know like or i did you know i just in the writing phase um and now it's been reevaluated. I guess that's what I like about the horror genre. You know, that things like that can happen where they can reevaluate something that they just poo pooed and then go, "Hey, wait a second. You know, because there's enough fan. The fans don't care what year. They'll they'll go watch all these movies again, all the Freddy movies and the you know the Jason movies, and you know they'll they'll um, you know you know Hellraiser. They'll go watch them. You know. Uh, Julian Sands was in, uh, he was the warlock in the 80s, for those of you who remember. He was a perfect specimen. He looked like he was an angel from heaven, but he was a warlock. Okay. Um, so the iron thing, <laughs> I guess, uh, but I digress. The iron thing is. Um, Well, the moda didn't work, and so I started experimenting with other uh, stimulants, which are not drugs. They're compounds. It means that they're, no one has made it into a drug yet. And uh, one was called um, phenylparacetam, phenylparacetam. And another was... uh, I forget what it was. But anyway, it was a very mild stimulant. The Russians invented it for um, athletes competing in the cold weather. So I felt a mild something, not really much more than the buzz off of coffee, off caffeine, frankly. You know, it lasted a couple hours and it was gone. It didn't help. And I'm so that, so I started concluding well, it's not just a central nervous system being low. And being, you know, and me being listless and not having air and oxygen, and then and then it seemed like the anemia thing was really more the 
probably it. And um, two schools of thought. One, you need to get every kind of test known to see where you're leaking blood, right? You're losing blood. But I'd been watching, you know, my own health, my stools and stuff, never black, which would be upper GI bleeding and nothing like that, even though I have damage. Um, so I, you know, so I got going, kind of revised my, you know, I got going with the meats and the, you know, the, the iron-rich things. And like I say, got this cocktail, the Myers, and started just, you know, inhaling the uh, Ultra B12 just all day long. And um, that night I got the Myers cocktail. Like I said, my legs didn't twitch. First time ever that I can remember. And now I'm talking to you an hour and two hours in, and I haven't laid on my side. I haven't done, I'm, I'm sitting here at the mic, ready to go and ready to get on with whatever the next thing is today. And we have a lot piled up on our plate. I mean, a ton of stuff, ton of work. So, and I took the iron pill. Well, my legs started jumping around again a couple days after the Myers cocktail. So these iron pills came. I took one. You know, they're. You know, I, I have reservations about pumping the iron. No pun intended without boosting the other, you know, because I have a, a whole range of uh, truly chelated minerals that include uh, iron, but also include, you know, selenium and chromium and others. But this seemed like an iron thing. So I took a guess, okay? And I see my legs going bump, 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 bump like that. So I took this iron pill, and lo and behold, same thing. No jittering around. Because I had read, you know, that uh, when your leg moves like that, restless leg syndrome, RLS, I think it's called RLS, um, that's from low iron. That's what they said in the, in the research. So I, you know, so I took like 350% more, you know. And, um, and then that, that real urge, because right now it's like, well, I could do it if I wanted to but I'm not really compelled to. And so I'm kind of concluding that uh, we're dealing with a, you know, uh, a situation of, um, you know, low iron. And when you have anemia of any kind, you, you can gain weight without eating much of anything because you just don't have the energy to move around. And it's, it's almost like, um, you know, you try to stimulate your head with like caffeine or, uh, or stimulants, and I don't recommend any stimulant other than, other than, I mean, I drink caffeine. If it's not for you, don't do it. Have tea instead and have a herbal tea. But the caffeine could never pull me out of it. You know, those drinks, I do not recommend those drinks. Bang and all that. I used to take those when I was driving from here down to Texas in the RV. I you know, hit a bang and I hit a, not bang, but rock star, right? A rock star. It would work, but again, the after effects of it, it's not worth it. You know, it, 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 it does not help. It's not a health food. So anyway, I've, I guess what I'm trying to say is I've made some progress, praise God, and to, to knowing what it is. And then, of course, the options are open. I'm probably going to be getting, 
another um, cocktail, uh, maybe not a cocktail, but like a, you know, a vitamin B push um, coming up intravenously and, and uh, possibly a seed. The other thing I've, I've read in the research is that you got to have C to, you know, C makes the, the, uh, the B's, you know, absorbable. And things like iron, you know, if you want to have the iron absorbed, you got to take C. Same with zinc. You take C and zinc together to help the zinc get, um, you know, help with the uptake. And then I started taking PEOs, which is another secret weapon, which is um, basically organic parent essential oils, omega uh, three and six. Where where um, six is actually stronger than three which is the opposite of the industry and that was by brian peskin uh called yes supplements those well if you want to prove they work if you're going to have drinks or whatever cocktails whatever you're going to have wine beer take uh you know three of those before dinner then have your beer your wine or whatever it is you're drinking if you drink if you don't, that's great. Um, and you'll notice that you can't get drunk. You know? And it, 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 it sort of ruins it. You know? So, uh, and that's because it uh, puts oxygen in your blood cells. And how does it get them in there? Because it's a lipid. So it goes into the bloodstream. And then that gets the cells going. And it's all, it's all based on Dr. Otto Warburg's research. Otto Warburg won the um, Nobel Prize uh, for curing cancer. Uh, already, he's already cured it. So, PEOs are, you know, something, the, the, especially the, uh, well, there's something the body cannot produce. Uh, you know the uh, the the parent oils that you know omega three and omega six in the amount you need. The body can't make it; has to be added. And so Brian Paskin is against fish oil, and he explains why. He says you know, basically it's a poison, but it became very popular. And you know how things are; they become popular. People want people want statin drugs, and that does nothing but hurry you toward death. So. People are going to do what they're going to do. But uh, I can tell you that um, the most everything that's natural, if you can do it, will help. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm open to another cocktail. Right now I'm about, what would you say, 100% better? Oh, yeah. At least like 75% better. 75% better than, than I was really dragging. It's just really bad. And along with that was low dopamine and, and low serotonin. This may be from doing drugs in the past, you know, like speed or like any, anything. Well, anything that juices the dopamine. See, if you flood your brain with dopamine, here's what happens. Eventually, the receptors say, hey, we don't need many more receptors up here. We got plenty of dopamine. And then guess what happens? When you really need it, and you're not going to use a drug to get it. It's not there. So you, what happens? You get depressed. And then if you go to a doctor, 
They want to give you Zoloft, poison. That killed my daughter. So you see, you see you've got to be very careful. And, but at the same time, you can't be so uptight that you don't, you know, that you don't try things and work things and keep learning things, keep digging, keep digging in that research till you finally find the truth. Because a lot of, there's a lot of lies out there in the medical research. And, um, you know, as we found, found out with COVID, we found out that they, a lot of these people just lie all day long because, you know, they're making money. They don't care. They just care about the money. So, no, doctors don't care. That's what we learned this year. They don't give a shit. And if they do, they're looked down upon by their f- colleagues. So this uh, PEO, or parent essential oils, uh, is what I would use as the main staple of returning to health. In other words, speeding the blood supply, um, working with the cholesterol, um, you know, getting oxygen into those areas that a lot of times get inflamed. Inflammation is usually bad, you know, because inflammation can lead to cancer. So by taking away sugar, which I'm an advocate of, that's why I use monk's fruit sugar, which is delicious if you need it, uh, then... You know, when these PEOs are working with the cells, putting oxygen in the cells, what they do is they'll eat the cancer. You know, they basically destroy it. And at the same time, you've got, you know, very little in the way of supplements to take to have perfect health. You just got to, you know, eat decently, not eat processed foods, because now they're putting bugs in the food, right? Is what we heard. But but we just don't want to have anything. We just want to have fresh as clear to organic as we can get, you know, things rather than, you know, just vegetables and different things, try to get those nutrients because they're so important. And just, you know, let let the cure really be food. Let food be the cure. And, um, well, the good news about me is I'm sitting here now two hours and 14 minutes, and I'm fully energized, and I have not... Uh, a lot of times I talk to you and I have to go because I just pass out. I don't tell you. Some of you knew that. <laughs> I don't tell you that, though, that I was in bad shape. I was in bad shape. But it it's really comes back to the blood. No, I don't want a transfusion. Thank you very much. What I want to do is build up the, uh, the iron, the B12, the Bs, uh, through some supplementation. Now, not being a scientist... You know, I don't know how far I can go with this iron. I know the iron is like, it's like anything else, like magnesium or anything else. You don't have an imbalance of it. But I think that's where I'm low. And, um, you know, that will build up the uh, red blood cells. And so, yeah, it may take a while. But I'm, as far as today is concerned, I'm very happy with the, uh, very happy. And, the greatest news was the these these you can get these individual uh, elements you know um, copper magnesium iron and from this uh, Carlisle group which I know they Carlisle group Carlisle company I think they're called just it's a it's and, and they're like nutraceutical level and uh, they have a good reputation so it's it's don't want to OD on it 
now, but definitely don't want to be, be, well, I have my own gauge. When my foot starts flapping, I know I need more iron. And it's, it's like I, I'm just barely above where I should be. You know, and I'm feeling like a lot better and a lot more energized. But I need to, I feel like there's another level that I could get, get to. What do you think? You don't need any iron, do you? No. Ah! He's trying to push the headphones off of me. Come on. Okay, Ben. Okay. Anyway, it's a beautiful Sunday. Get out there and enjoy nature. I also found that looking at nature just... I don't know what it does. It just totally helps. Sitting under a little tree. I built a little um, grotto thing in my front... I guess out the front door. A little fireplace, a little Kiva fireplace, and a waterfall. And I just sit there watching the birds. It does something. It it you know it's 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 God time. Being in nature is like God time. Yeah. Okay. I'll see you guys later. God bless you. I know that healing is in your future too. It's in mine. It's in yours. And we're all going to be better for it. And I'm trying to find. Trisha's little warning. Going out to old Klaus Schwab. I feel like calling him like Santa Klaus Schwab. Anyway, God bless you. We'll see you. Therefore, kings, be wise. 
be warned, ye rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, celebrate his rule with trembling. The one in heaven, he laughs at them. His wrath can flare up in a moment Blessed are all who take refuge in Him Why do the nations conspire And the kings plot in vain The kings of the earth rise up And the rulers band together Against the Lord and against His anointed One in heaven, He laughs at them The Lord scoffs at them Rebukes them in His anger 